Welcome to the VBPH Sermon Podcast. This week we'll be featuring sermons from our recent International Bible Conference in Chandler, Arizona, hosted by the Door Church and pastored by Joe Campbell. We're making these powerful messages available to both our free and premium subscribers. We'll return to our regular schedule next week. Thanks for listening and for your support of world evangelism. We hope you enjoy these messages. Testimony. Powerful message this morning. Can you say amen? Holy Ghost, amen. Just been wonderful all week long, amen, hearing what God's doing, amen, and the preaching. I just pray this morning I can just add a little something, amen, but God is wonderful. Can we give God praise this morning? Can we give the Lord praise? Hallelujah. I want to say thank you, first of all, to Pastor Campbell for the opportunity to be able to minister in the Bible conference. I never take it lightly to stand behind this sacred desk, this pulpit, amen. And again, it is really a great honor to be here this morning, and what a great Bible conference God's been um, speaking every night, amen. And so once again, I believe God's going to help us this morning by his grace. First Samuel 17, you can go there quickly in the word of God. You know, I'm sure all of you this morning are familiar with the idiom, the new normal. In other words, the term the new normal was first coined the 2008 financial crisis. In other words, to refer the dramatic economic cultural and social transformation that seriously impacted individuals lives what they were saying is this that after there's a crisis that takes place somehow after an aftermath of a great recession the way things were and the way things function are no longer going to be in other words what they were trying to say is that when this begins to happen Out with the old and now in with the new. This is now the new normal now. Then we all know this morning that the idiom resurfaced again when the COVID pandemic came and it hit. When that COVID pandemic came and it affected the entire world. And so the statement again was the new normal. That whatever you hear, whenever you hear the term, the new normal, is basically telling you and telling me this morning, you must learn how to accept that, that from this point on, this is how life's going to be. This is now going to be the new normal. I remember reading an article right after this um, pandemic happened. Don't worry, I'm not preaching on COVID this morning. Can you say amen? But I remember reading this article and looking back and someone made a statement when the, in the article They said, people that are looking back, they go, listen, I wish and I want to be able to go back to the old normal. But then someone said, are you serious about that? Do you know trying to go back to the old normal is going to come with some risk? In other words, they're trying to tell them, if you try to go back to the way things were in the beginning, if you try to go back to the ways of old, you're going to have a fight on your hands now. And I want to tell you, when I heard that, that when, I, when I read that article and I saw the conference flyer, radical, I said, devil, you are a liar. We're not going to believe in the new normal. We're going back to the beginning days. Can you say amen? The days are being radical now. I'm going to tell you and give you just a little bit of history. I was saved in Killeen, Texas, so I, that's where my roots are this morning. Amen. I know they banished me and abandoned me. Amen. After Pastor Campbell adopted me, but I want to tell you, when I got saved, I got radically saved now. 
And all I know is being radical. And I want to tell you something. Over 30 years when I got saved, I have not changed. And I declare I'm not going to change. I'm going to remain radical now. Listen now. They were saying, are you crazy? Or somehow you're going to try to change all of this. You'll have a fight on your hands. I want to say this morning that if you're going to contend to stay radical and not allow the religious world or the world around you to try to infiltrate and change who we are, you better be ready. A fight on your hand is coming now. Oh, but I don't mind fighting now. Our fellowship this morning has always lived on the cutting edge and has always been radical. Can somebody say amen now? I mean, we cannot allow what's happening around to change the original radical days that gave us our cutting edge and made us who we are as a fellowship now. Our conference theme, radical for God in a culture of comfort that when culture wants you to draw back, culture is trying to tell you, hey, calm down and settle down and maybe even sometimes preacher, lower your voice now. God help us if we have preachers nowadays that just want to dialogue and talk. We need preachers. Can someone say amen? You're going to have to live and learn to tell hell this morning. Hell no, you're not going to take us back. You're not going to take us into the new normal. We're going back to our beginning days, the radical days. Can somebody give God praise? I want to preach on telling hell no this morning. Come on now. 1 Samuel 17 in the word of God, the Bible says this in verse 26, Then David spoke to the men who stood by him saying, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered and said in this manner saying, So shall it be done. For the man who kills him, now Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he began to speak to the men and Eliab's anger was aroused against David. And he said, why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride and your insolence of your heart, for you've come down to see the battle. And David said, what have I done now? Is there not? A cause. Come on, let's pray. God, I come this morning once again, God, by your grace and by your mercy. God, I thank you for all that you have done this week, Father God. Every seed that has been sown, Father God. The gospel, Lord God, that has been planted inside the hearts of many men and women, God. God, this morning, once again, I ask you, Father God, that you begin to move upon the hearts of your people, God. Bring us back, God, to the old days, God, when we were full-on radical, God. I resist, God, and I come against, God, the world trying to change us, God, in our churches, God, trying to change us, God, behind the pulpit i resist it and devil i tell you hell no this morning we're going to take you and push the battle to the gate god i do not come this morning in my own ability nor do i come god in my own strength for i have absolutely god no confidence in my flesh holy ghost i need you and i depend upon you and you alone and the people of god said come on the people of god said 
I want to talk about this is not normal. Now, I just read to you my text, and you can see that David is now getting ready to walk on, and he comes onto a scene. And he wants to know as he comes on the scene, he goes, hold on, what shall be done for the man who kills the Philistines and takes away the reproach of Israel? The Bible says we know that David now has brothers, but Eliab, his older brother, has heard that David spoken to these men. The Bible says now Eliab, his anger is worked up and the Bible even says his anger has been aroused. Now, this this morning is just for free for anybody who likes free stuff this morning. Amen. You know, sometimes that young radical that has no boundary, that new convert, can arouse the older believer who, lo- who loves to live in the new normal now. Thank God for them Holy Ghost crazy converts. Can you remember your early days as a convert? Listen, I will take a new convert with me any day. They have a special anointing. They have a special gift on them. You know what they can do? They can stand on a street corner and send everybody to hell and everybody turns around and gets saved. You as an older saint go out there, hey, you're going to go to hell. What'd you say? They have a grace of God upon them. Can you say amen? You need the new believer. You need the new convert to rattle the old saint now. Listen, the older brother starts taking shots now at David. He simply says, what have I done? Is there not a cause? He says, is there not going anyone to challenge or should this somehow be normal? But let's really take a look now. What could be at work here and what is it that is causing David to want to rise to the occasion and not accept what's happening now? See, while everyone else has accepted this as if somehow this is normal, I want to challenge every preacher. I want to challenge every congregation and as well I'm challenging myself Because you can learn how to do church. You can learn how to serve God. But I want to tell you, if you're not careful, you won't even realize that things have become normal because you can't see it no more now. Is anybody here now? Look now. Because while everyone has accepted this, they now said this is normal now. You see what happened? Look at the backdrop early in chapter 17 we know that the philistines have gathered the armies together to battle and the bible says in verse 15 but david would occasionally went and return from saul to his feet his father sheep in bethlehem in other words david is well aware that there's some type of a battle that's supposed to be going on he comes and he goes he sees this and then the bible says in verse 16 and the philistines drew near And presented himself 40 days, morning and evening. Did you hear what I just said now? I said 40 days, morning and evening now. See, David is well aware that something's going on. But now you have to understand and you have to catch this now. That what started off as somehow a supposed battle or somehow some type of a challenge that know that the longer that they did not fight 
back, the longer that they did not engage, the longer that they did not resist, Goliath has caused them to change their message and has silenced them now. And they don't even realize it. All they can think in their mind, what in the road is wrong with you, David? This is normal. You can be in your church and don't even realize this is happening to you right now. You see what happens as you're catching this. That the longer they did not resist, Goliath has caused them not to change. In the old days, the children of Israel would take the battle to the enemy. But here in our text, the enemy is now initiating the battle. This is seen in a lot of our churches where we no longer take the battle to the gates of hell. We simply wait for hell to do something and then we react. Now, without them realizing this, they've allowed the situation that had been brought to them to now become normal now. The Bible says this went on for 40 days, morning and evening. And I will have to say something. When they initially came to meet Goliath face to face, this was not the situation. This was not planned. But what happened, they allowed this to become normal now. You have to be aware. I have to be aware. In my own church, in my own life, in the lives of the men in our church, God, are we just having church, God, and we're not even realizing, God, that for so long, God, we don't engage like we used to engage, God. Listen, allowing something for so long without you willing to challenge it, without you willing to resist, you will begin to draw back now. That over time, they've now accepted this. This, it's how it's going to be, David. I guess this is just normal now. We will just allow Goliath and his army to change who we are. But see, the real problem here, because David is coming out of the field and he walks onto a scene and says, hold on, wait a minute, my Lord, my God, this is not normal now. Sometimes it takes somebody from the outside to be able to come in and tell you. And let me tell you what's true. That this would not be normal at all. Because why would this not be normal at all when David walks in on this? He's like, no, no, no. I want to tell you why. Because when you read in the Bible, we're talking about an army of men of war. We're talking about those who have fought previous battles. You know the story of Jonathan and his armor bearer. How they led and had a great victory over the same old Philistines. I'm talking about possibly 15, 20 years earlier, Israel had to make a decision to push back. He knows the history. He knows what's going on. And he's trying to understand, my Lord, my God, this is not who you are. I remember a long time ago, you would have fought differently now. Now you're living the new normal now. They become full of boldness back then. They pursued the Philistines until they had, listen to me now, Cut them down, the Bible says. Then the following chapter in 15, they go to war with Amalek and completely destroy the Amalekites. See, you were talking about veterans. I'm a veteran of the United States Army. 
And so I remember my dad telling me this. When I joined the army, my father told me this. He said, Hector, the way I raised you was the way they raised me. He said, son, but you're about to go into a new army. I didn't grasp it, didn't understand it until I got into it. Because anytime they would raise their voice, anytime they would yell or break down, you could pull out a card. I'm hurting. <laughs> Sounds like discipleship these days, doesn't it? Does discipleship have to change? Discipleship doesn't have to change now. Who told you that? And let me tell you why this is true now. We're talking about these men have had previous battles. You know the story of Jonathan and David. I'm speaking to you now about this. See, they're talking about veterans, men of war. And yet you are reading in the word of God, men who fought, men who engaged, men who went to the battle are doing absolutely nothing. But to them, this is normal. They have allowed this to become the new normal. And David says, no. This is not normal. They are doing nothing. They're saying nothing. Their tenacity has changed. The days of them being radical have changed. Their message has changed. They're saying nothing and being silenced now. I want to look at secondly, telling hell no now. See, if you are not engaging or change, if you're not engaging and you are changing your message, you are allowing hell to remove you from the beginning radical days you once had. You need to tell hell no. Think about this now. Because everybody, including myself, we have to be aware of traps. And if you fall into this trap, you will not be telling hell, hell no, I'm not going to accept this. You will go right along with the current now. Listen to me. First of all, preachers, don't change your message, preacher. I said, preacher, don't change your message now. You see, we cannot allow truth to become watered down, and we cannot allow truth to be sugar-coated. And by the way, sugar kills anyway. You cannot allow truth to be absent now. Preaching has quickly changed into just self-building. That's preaching now. Just self-building. Just help courses. Just somehow trying to, you know, move the emotion a little bit. Preaching and quickly change and all of this is just now inspirational speaking about what? I've heard preachers that will make statements of truth. They will say things that are quoted straight from the Bible and then they will say things that can cut people right to the heart. Yes, and even sometimes you will offend them. And then I've heard preachers come right behind all of that then apologize after they've said truth and said things because they want to be politically correct now. I didn't get saved being politically correct now. They soften the blow and they glaze it with an apology now. Like Pastor Tori said the other day, how in the world would they know they're lost if you don't tell them they're lost? One man said these words, if Jesus preached the same message ministers preach today, he would have never been crucified. See, the message is changing. Listen, the gospel is radical. You can blame this morning why I am the way I am on past, with Pastor Ruby now. Listen, 
When I got saved, I remember clear, clear as day, I got saved on a Wednesday night. The next day, amen, Pastor Melrose took me in, began to fellowship with me. I went to prayer the next morning. I'm there at the house, beginning wonderful days. I'm in their house. They're feeding me. Thank you, Jesus, the new convert. Amen. I'm not even praying over the food. I'm like, the house is blessed. Just keep bringing the food. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> but I remember, listen to me, Oscar Ford took me, the first man that took me. He took me to the barracks. He goes, young man, come with me. I went alone. We begin to witness, begin to talk to people about God. It is nighttime, about nine o'clock at night. He goes, come, we're going to go preach on the corner of Ranseer. I said, there's nobody out there. Everybody's gone home. He said, don't worry about it. Just come on. It's only him and me standing on Ranseer with a bullhorn in my hand. He says, watch me, Hector. I'm a brand new convert. I'm watching him. He's calling fire down, sending all out of hell. Can you say amen? He's preaching. And all of a sudden, he looks, he goes, just do what I just did now. I grabbed the microphone. Devil, I want to tell you, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, can change you. I begin to preach. And I remember Pastor would be saying this, and it changed my life forever. Listen to this now. You know, I preached your Sunday morning, too, and thank God for that opportunity. But sometimes, you know, I can be a bit of a loud preacher. Is that okay with you? Is it okay if I get excited sometimes? Amen. And you know what, ha- what happened was this. Pastor Ruby said this years ago and it messed me up. He said he's street preaching as a young man. And that young man he's preaching is him. He goes, an old lady walks up to him and says, sir, 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 sir. Why are you shouting at these people? Why are you yelling? Do you think you're going to change them? Thank you for this, Pastor Ruby. He said, no, I don't think that's going to change them. I'm shouting and I am yelling so they don't change me. See, there's another trap quickly now. The trap of making noise and moving. Because what happens, the Bible says, here they are, these men, in verse 20, let me read it to you. So David rose early in the morning, and he came to the camp of the army, was going out to fight, and the shouting for battle. Verse 21, for Israel and the Philistines had drawn up in battle army array against the army. What this means is now that the children of Israel have got up, the enemy got up, And all the Bible tells me is they got up and they're making noise. They're sharpening their swords. They're swinging them. And do you see how crazy they are? They're convinced they're doing something. They're doing all of this. You can come to church three times a week. Come in praise and worship and enjoy God's presence. And we're here swinging our swords and sharpening our swords, but not engaging hell now. And then the question asked, and many times our pastors will ask our workers this. Hey, so what's happening in your church? Hey, so what's going on? What is God doing? And they always go, powerful, powerful, powerful. But what's going on? Powerful, powerful, powerful. What's powerful? Oh, man, pastor, you should have been in our song service. Man, the Holy Ghost fell down. Oh, I got goosebumps. 
I go, what? I don't want to hear about your goosebump. I want you to put a bump on the devil's head. Engage. Since when have you elevated worship about preaching now? When? Oh, but that's what we do. That's how you do it. And every musician can't stand to hear what I'm saying now. Because in their mind, no, the tune has to be perfect. And it's got to be said. That's why you need me, pastor, because I'm going to change the whole church. No, you need preaching. I'm not against worship. I'm not against praise. But if all we did is sing songs and swung a few swords. I want to ask you, who got set free? I want to ask you, what devil came out? I want to ask you, what chain has been broken? He is still the chain breaker. What? Listen now. See, if you're not careful, you won't see this. Do you know we could be going on outreach reaches? Like what can happen to you is this. If no one gets saved on an outreach, it becomes not a big deal. I want to tell you what I've done with my men here in Mitchell's Plain. And I don't know everything. I'm still learning and I'll be forever learning. But I understand that when I'm dealing with men, I'm dealing with potential preachers that are one day going to go into the field. So sometimes I can be a bit heavy on them. Sometimes I can can apply some pressure. But I understand this because I was in the military. And the military would put pressure on me. And they would put a lot of weight on me because I might go to war. You are going to send men out in the field. They are going to war. And if you don't apply pressure, if you don't push on them, if you don't make them feel it, they will die in the field. Listen now. So my men, what happens, they go on outreaches sometimes after our regular outreaches. And I put in them, I said, listen, when you go outreach, don't come back home until somebody gets saved. What, Pat? Don't come back home. So they'll go to an area and nobody will get saved. They already know. Don't come back home. Go to another area. Nobody got saved. I said, go to another. Don't come back home. They will call me, Pastor, two guys say, praise God, you can come home now. Come. Why am I doing that? Why am I telling them that? Because when they go out in the field and no one gets saved in the neighborhood, they will go home. Then they wonder why they got to come home. Listen now. 15 years ago, these men of war, they're veterans. See, the message that they preached to the Philistines earlier, the message was, we're not going to change, we're going to engage, we're going to fight and push back. Can someone say push back? See, David has come to a place, he's realized something has changed. You know what will help every minister of the gospel? You know what would help every congregate this morning? Is this, is for you to give yourself to fully the things of God, And start spending intimate time in your relationship with God. This will help you not fall prey into the hands of the new normal now. You see, David, why wasn't David affected now? 
Why wasn't David bothered by this? You know why? Because David was separate from the battle. David was spending time with God. He's killing giants. He's killing bear. And what's not normal to him is normal to you because he's spending time with God. Be careful not to become carnal. He is spending time with God. He's not making TikTok videos. My Lord, and what drives me crazy, even the oldest of oldest people making TikTok videos. Listen, don't get caught up in things that do not promote the gospel. Did you hear me this morning? And I want to say something quickly about social media now. Because while social media isn't evil in of itself, it can never and will never replace the center of what we are as a church of Jesus Christ. We've always been one-on-one, face-to-face. We've always had personal evangelism. Social media is a great tool, but never a replacement. Remember back in the Bible days, the presence of God, the Ark of the Covenant was carried on the shoulders of men. And when they tried to replace the cart with something else, God killed them. This is why the new cart was rejected. Thank you for that dip. Causing death. I quote Pastor Warner this morning, social media is a great passenger, but a horrible driver. You see, getting caught up in what's new, what's happening around the world, listen to me, this is not normal. See, in other words, when we saw we become normal, allow things just to be that way, have veterans of war changed? There's another thing tonight, this morning, where we have to be able to tell the devil and speak and say, Hell no, you're not going to do this. Listen to me now. Whatever happened to our tenacity for converts now? There's a story in the Bible. It's actually an incredible story. The book of Acts chapter 13. You can read in your own time. Verse 4 through 12. But the story in the book of Acts, the Bible says these men have been sent, sent, sent out by the Holy Ghost. They've gone in the Isle of Paphos and they run into a sorcerer whose name is false prophet of the name of Bar-Jesus. Now check this out. The Bible says that he, they're with a young man, a pro-counsel. Somebody say pro-counsel. And his name is Sergius Paulus. The Bible says this man calls out Barnabas and Saul. And this man, Sergius Paulus, the pro-counsel, wants to be able to hear something from God now. Check this out, church. The Bible said he's seeking the faith. Then Saul is there. They're trying to speak. They're trying to talk to him. They're trying to bring God across. And the Bible says at that moment, all of a sudden, they understand this is a potential convert. God is doing. God's going to help us right now. A revival could break out. Listen to this now. The Bible says as he's doing this, all of a sudden, this Elam is a sorcerer. The bar Jesus, I can't stand religious devils. Religious devils sit back and watch our people get converted. Then they want to try and take them and put them in their church. I can't stand religious devils. Go make your own convert. 
Go get your own people. Then they want to prop them up and put them on the platform and then backslide next week. Now look about this now. He's there and the apostle Paul says, hold on, wait a minute. Brother, God brought me that convert. You better back up. Hell, I want to tell you, no, you ain't about to take my convert. And the Bible says, he goes, you son of the devil. And just depending how many converts you've lost, you will fill that blanket with another word sometimes. (laughs) He goes, you son of the devil, and you're full of deceit and all fraud. And God comes down, boom, strikes that brother with blindness, and he can't see. That's what I'm talking about. Where are they at now? Do you fight like that? Do you still grab them like you grabbed them in the days of old? Listen, a few weeks ago, I was in South Africa Bible Conference. And what happened, somebody came up to me. They go, hey, Pastor Ortiz, why do they call you the pit bull? Now I'm asking, I'm one of this guy in South Africa. You can put the photo up. <laughs> BB, that's a red nose right there. Now what happened? They go, they go, Ortiz, why do they call you the pit bull? And so I'm thinking in my mind, how has this traveled all the way to South Africa? <laughs> this guy's probably looking at me and says, oh, you're that crazy, wild, aggressive unsocial animal, unsocial animal that can't play well with others. I said, I'm, I'm so glad you asked. Let me clear the water. I said, you know, the name Pitbull was given to me by the Colleen people. I never gave that name. Colleen Church gave me that name. And let me tell you where the name came from. The reason why they started calling me the Pitbull is because when somebody would get saved, I would lock on them. I'd be at your door, I'd be at your job, I'd be in your window. <laughs> Hell no! You coming to church? They would take a crowbar, put it in my mouth. <laughs> no! I came today to tell you, no, I'm taking converse for God. Would you give God praise? Come on now. That was my roots. The Colleen Church gave me that name. They would always say, oh, I am so feeling bad for this brother. Because Ortiz going to sneak up on him. Ah. I've had him try to swing me. No. Come on now. See, nowadays a convert gets saved and the religious world take them away or they just back. I say, oh, well, we'll just keep praying for them. You better go back and lock on to them. You know why? I want to show you something quickly. The Bible says that this man was a proconsul. A lot of people never pick that up, but a proconsul, what happened actually, he is a captain. 
He's a high-ranking individual. In other words, if this man gets saved, he already has people who are under his authority. That this could be the key to your revival, but you let them go. Really quick, there's a young man that got saved when I was in Copper's Cove. Listen to this. I'm going to tell you how crazy I was, and I'm still crazy. I tell all my disciples the crazy stories, and I tell them, replicate them. I'm not lying to you. I almost felt bad this morning. Pastor, Pastor Hill Colt is preaching, and he's talking about he's been introduced to presidents, only getting introduced to the head gang members. So what happened was this man got saved. And I'm telling you, when God saved him, I said, God, you have something for this man. This man's living in my house and God's helping him. He's got a girlfriend. And so I know he's battling a little bit. So one day he disappears. And I know where he went because I know where she lives and their family lives. So what happened? The pit bull is on the prowl. (laughs) I walk over. I, I get in my car. I go over to the house. And I knock on the door and I said, hey. I'm looking for so-and-so. She says, he's not here. I knew he wasn't. She had that attitude. She goes, he's not here. Okay, bye. Shut the door. So I go to my car and I sit down. I said, hell no, devil. (laughs) I knock on the door. I said, hey, listen, I want to talk. She said, I told you. He's not here. And besides, he told me to tell you. Because he knew you were going to come. (laughs) Don't come back. So I go back to my car. This is no lie. I go back to my car. And I sit down. I said, devil. Hell no. I'm telling hell no. I go back to the house. Look what I did. I go back to the door. I'm not lying. I get on my knees in front of the door. Shandelebrebekesim. Devil, you're a liar. Holy Ghost, go where they won't let me go. Go get him, God. I'm praying in front of his door on my knees. Devil, no. The next morning, before I could even wake up, that brother came running to my house, banging on my door. I'm like, what is wrong with this brother? He goes, he goes, my God. He goes, last, last night I had this dream. And he goes, if the rapture happened. He goes, I heard planes falling, ambulance running everywhere. I thought I got left behind. I came back to see if you were still here. <laughs> That's right. Would you give God praise? That's the days of old. That's the days of old. Quickly, one more area you have to fight in is don't surrender your ground. You know the story in Chronicles and in Samuel about these men who stationed themselves in the field and they wouldn't give up the ground. Because something inside says, I fought too long. I fought too hard. They stationed themselves in the lentil field and the Bible said his hand was stuck to the sword. He says, listen to me, hell, you're not going to move me out of here. One more other place quickly that you can't allow to die. There's people. You came to this Bible conference, battling and struggling, not wondering what's going to happen. 
And in your mind, you're like, God, am I going to survive? Am I going to make this God? God, I'm going to come to Bible conference, wrap things up, God, and I'm done. As a matter of fact, God, I've wrapped myself up like Lazarus in the grave. But the Bible says the Son of God, when he wrapped up Lazarus in the grave, the Lord still has the last say. And what happens, circumstance, problem, and struggle. You're not seeing what you want to see. You came to Bible conference like this. I'm wrapped up and I'm done. But I declare this morning that the Son of God has the last word and he says, you are not dead. Get up and live. Can you say amen? Would you give God praise? You can survive. You can survive. I want to close with the turning point right now. There's got to be a turning point where it brings you back to the old normal. You see, every man, every woman, every congregation has to say, listen, there needs to be a turning point where I turn back to the old normal and not allow the world around me to dictate to me and just accept it. No, no, no. There's going to be a turning point. This conference there's going to be a turning point this morning at the altar. God, there's going to be a turning point. See, look what happens now because now look at David. It's quite interesting. Because David, I read earlier, young, vibrant. He's coming out of the field now. Now I'm going to read to you another part of David's life, a different chapter in his life. We now find himself having to position himself to prepare to fight. So what happened, David is now run, not running toward Goliath. But this particular moment in his life, he's running away from the enemy. But hold on, he knows this is not normal now. So David found himself in a place where he would either allow himself to run away or allow God to visit him and bring him to a place where he desperately needs a turning point. First Samuel 21 in your own time, the account of David at the point he's running from Saul. He's just departed from Jonathan, an emotional farewell. Now he's finding himself with Ahimelech, with the priest of Nob. David, with no doubt, he's exhausted. He's running from Saul, running for his life. David and his few young men, and the priest offers the servant bread. The Bible says a certain man was there, and the servant Saul named Doag, the Edomite. The Bible says, which belonged to Saul. Immediately, watch, David requests from Ahimelech. Is there not a hand or a spear or a sword? Because now this is going to lead up to a turning point for David. Because according to David, he brought neither sword or weapon. And Ahimelech brings out the sword which David used to slay Goliath. David is not the young boy fighting no more. He's in a chapter where he feels help pushing him back. To let this become normal. And the Bible says, isn't God amazing? He goes, I have something for you, son. What do you have? The sword of Goliath. Oh, Holy Ghost. When that brother grabbed that sword, something ran from his toes down to the crown of his head, to the sole of his feet. He said, oh, there is none like this. The moment he touched that sword, it took him back to the old normal. This is not normal. I'm going back to fight. 
No more compromise. Can you say amen? Fruitfulness belongs to me. He began to do this now. I'll leave you now with this story. Pastor Greg Mitchell probably had no idea that that book was going to seal the deal for this message for me. I gave this book to one of my men that's overseas, Christopher Zoltenberg. I gave it to him. And he knew that I was writing the sermon. He goes, Pastor, you got to check this out about what you're preaching. So he said this to me. This says, it's Pastor Greg Mitchell's book wrote on healing power. It's so fitting, and I quote from page four and five. The turning point in my life in ministry came when we took over a church in Melbourne, Victoria, Australia. I discovered the church we took over was struggling on many levels. They hadn't had a convert saved and locked into the church for several years. Most people were struggling financially the next day after taking over the church. We were invited to dinner by the top disciple and his wife. As I began saying how excited we were to be there and how I had no doubt God was going to help the church in great ways, the top disciple burst into tears, saying, it's just so hard here, nothing works. No one gets saved, and if they do, they never come out to church, or if so, they never came back. Listen to Pastor Greg Mitchell's word. A wave of holy anger rose up inside me, and he said, no, I reject that. God is going to help us. We are going to break those curses and we're going to see breakthrough. Hallelujah. Come on now. That what he was saying, that this is the old normal. And he's saying to hell, hell no. We will not accept unfruitfulness. We will not accept compromise. And we will not water down the gospel. And we say to you, hell no. Thank you. That's all I have this morning. Hallelujah. Check, check. Hallelujah.